starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, came to worship. The wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Wow, it's way off there. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word to that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. In the fourth century, a boy was born in what we would call North Africa. When he was born, his parents gave him the name Augustine. Augustine had a mom who was a devout Christian and a dad who was a pretty angry businessman. Augustine's dad would later have a deathbed conversion, but before then it was a priority of both his parents that he have a good education and make a name for himself. And because of his parents' determination, for him to have a good education, and Augustine's natural intelligence and curiosity, this led Augustine to seek out wisdom and meaning. Through his parents and his thirst to find wisdom, Augustine became a public speaker. Now let's fast forward to when Augustine is about 20. He's a part of a group called the Manichaeans. Let's think about this group like this. If you were to take a dash of Christianity, a, a cup of Buddhism, a table 
spoon of Gnosticism, a splash of astrology, and a smidge of pagan elements, you get a Manichaean cake. One of the biggest elements when this Manichaean cake is displayed that you will see is pride in knowing and seeking the secret things of the universe. But Augustine, after a while, was not impressed with the leaders and their wisdom and left to seek out something with more wisdom. Now let's fast forward again. And the seeking Augustine sailed away in a ship, leaving his his mom literally in the dark. He moved to Milan, which is in Italy. So North Africa all the way to Milan. If you don't know your geography, there's a pretty big sea in between there. Augustine was offered a higher paying job to be a public speaker in a sophisticated city where he thought he would seek out and find more wisdom. And while he was in Milan, he was told that the gold standard of public speaking could be found no less than in a church. And when Augustine went to this church, he found a bishop named Ambrose. He heard Ambrose preach, and while Augustine listened, something happened. You know, he knew of the God that Ambrose preached on because it was the same God of his mother, but now he was starting to find and see the God that was being preached. This led Augustine to seek out Ambrose and talk about the God he preached on that led then Augustine to seek in the Scriptures for himself on the God Ambrose preached on, which led Augustine to admit that the wisdom he looked and searched for so fervently wasn't for information, but for Jesus Christ. What are you seeking to worship? In this world, like Augustine, we're all seeking out something to commit our whole being to. For some, it's pleasure. For others, information. For many, it's control and power. But in the end, we are all seeking for that object to satisfy us. But here's the reality. Only something eternal can satisfy us. And this is what we see in our passage this morning. The Magi seeking out to worship the King of the Jews. And we will see this this morning in three ways. First, a journey to seek out the King. Second, the Magi seeking answers. And third, finding a King to worship. So this morning, there is only one thrust of this sermon that I'd like to ask you. Are you seeking to worship the King of the Jews. Matthew is showing us what took place for the Magi to seek out and find this king. 
We saw above here a few weeks ago now what it looked like for Jesus to be born in Matthew 1, 18-25. Matthew told us, Mary, she conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost. Mary's husband Joseph, being a just man, stayed with her because it was revealed to him that Mary was telling the truth. And because Joseph was a just man, he followed and obeyed the words of the angel. I wonder if you or I have that type of trust toward God's Word when things are confusing. Nonetheless, now we get to this part of the passage, and you would think that if a king was born, that there would be a big party. That nobody would have to go out of their way to look for this king. That there would be flyers all over the place. That there would be commercials running every minute. That you would constantly get those annoying Facebook invites in your notifications. But instead, what we are seeing is that men from the East had to seek, had to look, had to find this king. They had to pack up and find where this king was laying. This is what we read. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So we see Jesus is born during the days of King Herod. Matthew reminds us of this birth of Jesus and tells us of another king that is here, King Herod. Herod, we'll just say up front, is a nasty guy. He's no good guy. He was known to torture, to kill, and to steal to get his way. And this isn't the last time that we'll see him. But quickly, Matthew takes us to the wise men or the magi. These men would have looked very similar to Augustine in his 20s. They would look very similar to maybe a modern-day spiritual agnostic. Somebody who believes in a God, but not quite sure who or what. If the magi had a Facebook page and an about me section or a twitter bio it would probably read something like this really into seeking out wisdom and the future through hashtag religion hashtag philosophy hashtag astrology i'm a hufflepuff that dabbles in hashtag magic look Wise men are a clever name for magi. And magi is a clever name for magician. These men from the East are pagan, Gentile magicians. And as they were minding their own business, searching the stars for answers, they see a new star. A star they had not seen. They searched the stars countless times like when kids are at fires and look up into the night sky. 
and they come across a new one. And so, being interested in philosophy and understanding the future, they search for answers. And the answer they got came from a Gentile who prophesied in Numbers. Numbers chapter 24 specifically. This Gentile prophesied and said, I see Him, but not now. I behold Him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheath. <laughs> you know, people hang balloons for birthdays or bring balloons when babies are born. But Jesus got a star in the sky. Nobody on earth besides the parents were celebrating this king, but the heavenly realm was throwing a party. Isn't it amazing? how God revealed Himself to the most unlikely people. Pagan magicians. Isn't it amazing that God revealed Himself to you? Don't ever count out the unlikely person. Don't ever stop sharing the gospel with the unlikely person. Don't ever stop praying for the unlikely person. Because the Magi saw a new star. It's probably some type of shooting star. And when the Magi saw this, there was something that was burning in their heart to go and search for answers. And when they went searching, they saw that a king had been born and found themselves in motherland, Jerusalem. And while in Jerusalem, the, the Magi can't help themselves and start just going around searching for answers, asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And the dedication of the Magi to search, to, to find, to look for the king of the Jews is worth admiring. The, the travel in distance alone to search for the king would have taken them weeks to get to Jerusalem. How far are you willing to go and search to worship the king of the Jews? A once-a-week car ride? Did you notice also how it wasn't their own intuition to seek to worship the king of the Jews? God hung the star in the sky and this piqued their curiosity to search the Scriptures, to then put a fire in them and go to seek to worship the king of the Jews. Do you still have that fire That fire to go and seek to worship the King of the Jews that you had when you first, when this was first revealed to you? Has God put it in your mind to worship Him, to 
seek Him out and to worship Him? How far are you willing to go to seek Him out and worship Him? Isn't it amazing how one question can cause multiple different reactions? <laughs> like right now, that last question that I asked, do you still have that fire to go and seek to worship the King of the Jews? This could bring up so many different answers and reactions. In the Magi's search to worship the King of the Jews, they asked, where's he at? Where's the King of the Jews so that way we can come and worship him? And the Magi just don't know exactly who to ask. So they're just asking. It's like when a kid is lost in a store looking for his parents. He just starts shouting, Where's my mommy? Where's my daddy? I've got to find them. He just wants to find them. And the Magi just want to find the King of the Jews to worship Him. But this question of trying to search for the King of the Jews brings up problems, doesn't it? As our passage reads, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And not only was Herod the king troubled, and all Jerusalem with him was troubled. What the Magi don't know is that their question is causing trouble with people. It's causing trouble with all of Jerusalem and Herod. And Herod is a shady guy. I'll just say that now. We have the Bible here. We know what's about to come. If you keep on reading on, you can see what type of guy Herod is. There's no need to hide this. Herod has a plan to seek out the king of the Jews too. And so Herod gathers all the smart guys, the, the paid academics and theologians to see where this child was born. And, and the paid academics and theologians tell him Bethlehem of Judea. Uh, assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. This passage would have been a familiar passage for the chief priests and scribes. The prophet Micah had said this to the people of Israel. And so King Herod is searching to find this king as well. But the religious people, they didn't need to search the Scriptures very long because they intellectually knew it. They knew the words of the prophet. And as we continue to read here, we see even more of Herod's shady character. He wants to send the Magi on a secret mission to seek out the king of the Jews. And when the Magi find the king of the Jews, he wants the Magi to tell them where he is so that he can come and worship him. Okay, King Herod. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, 
Bring me word that I too may come and worship Him. I wonder at all if you have noticed so far how King Herod and the religious people respond to the Magi's question. Remember, the Magi are seeking to worship the King of the Jews. The Magi are seeking to worship the King of the Jews. So how does Herod respond? How does Herod respond to the Magi seeking to worship the King of the Jews? Our passage tells us Herod is troubled. And what we see later in chapter 2 is actually not only is Herod troubled, but Herod is full of hatred. He sees the newborn king as a threat to his kingdom, a threat to his life, a threat to his people worshiping him. You see, Herod loved himself. He wanted to be God. And this is the age-old temptation. This is why you and I are natural enemies of God outside of Christ. We don't want to seek to worship God. We would rather seek to worship ourselves. And this is what we see Herod doing, seeking to worship himself by destroying a threat. Herod is seeking Jesus out no more than to kill his threat that's in front of him. This is how we all are when we live in our sins. Rebels. Enemies who seek not God, but ourselves. Herod does not seek the king of the Jews to worship him, but to destroy him. But let's not lose focus here. Because the wonderful news is is that Christ came to die for sinners. Christ came to die for the unlikely sinners. Just like He's come to die for the Magi who are seeking Him out to worship Him, He dies for those who hate Him as well. He dies for those who put their trust, repent of their sins. I wonder if you're here this morning and this is you. Full of hatred towards the King of the Jews because He poses a threat to destroy your kingdom. He poses as a, as a threat of being forced to worship something else other than yourself. If so, I'd love to talk to you after service. I'll be out by the door if you'd like to talk. However, let's not forget the religious people. The people who searched the Scriptures for King Herod. The Magi's searching is to worship their king, the king of the Jews. And the Magi even tell them, where is the king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. But here's the reality in our passage. We don't see the Jews, the scribes and the chief priests, excited. It tells us that all of Jerusalem is troubled with Herod. And we see another thing in our text, don't we? None of them go to worship the king of the Jews. 
the chief priests and scribes, what we would call the religious people, are indifferent. They're indifferent. We would call this now nominalism. Later in His ministry, as Jesus is standing on a mountain, He looks over Jerusalem and weeps for His people who are indifferent. Not a single one goes to worship the King of the Jews. Here are the religious people who faithfully attend service after service. Here are the people who get up in the morning and pray and read God's Word. Here are the people who live morally good lives and yet they do not go to seek to worship the King of the Jews. Christian, are you seeking to worship the King of the Jews? How quickly do we lose our first love and become indifferent with worshiping Jesus? How quickly we trade in our worship of the King to worship objects that rust and fade and fall apart. We must not lose are seeking to worship the King of the Jews and turn that into seeking to worship information about the King of the Jews. Seek to worship daily and you will not regret it. Seek to worship information and you will go to hell. As we are sent off with the Magi to find the King of the Jews, we come to Bethlehem. The Magi see the star resting over the place that the King of the Jews was like an X that marked the spot on a treasure map. They are overwhelmed with joy that they have found the king to worship. You know, the, the kind of the joy that the Magi are feeling right now is like when you finally find your missing wallet. Probably even more so. After listening to the king, they went on their way. and Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then the Magi enter. And when the Magi enter, they worship Him. But it's not just your typical worship that we see in churches. The Magi just don't start to move back and forth like this and then raise their hands and put them in the air like they just don't care. They don't start to clap. The Magi don't go in to worship Him by sitting down and standing up and sitting down and standing up and sitting down and standing up. After their long search, after seeking the King of the Jews to worship, they fall on their faces. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. This is the outward expression of total devotion. These grown men fall down to worship the true King. 
all the miles they just put on their bodies. All of the cold, sleepless nights in the desert and the excruciatingly hot mornings during their long journey was worth it to find what they were looking for. The King of the Jews. And when they reached Him, their first reaction was worship. How do you prepare to worship Jesus? As you come to seek to worship God on Sundays, do you prepare your hearts by praying that you would come to worship and not just go through the motions? Do you pray for the preaching to stir your affections and bring comfort to your souls? Do you pray for the singing? And I'm not just talking about Sunday morning, I'll pray for this. But first thing, Monday morning to Sunday, I am preparing to go to seek, to worship Jesus. But not only did they fall down, they gave treasures of gifts. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and so look, this is just a little. Let's not say that there were just three magis just because there were only three gifts. In fact, most commentators think that there were more magis and they actually brought their servants with them. So let's not let that little myth trip us up on what's actually taking place here. Because what's taking place is that when the Magi find the King of the Jews, they first offer their worship. They don't offer their gifts first. They offer their worship first, and then they give their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. How are you serving the King of the Jews with your gifts? Are you holding on to them for yourself? For a bigger promotion? For people to come and worship you? Or have you come to God and said, here you go. These gifts are for you. Let me say it like this. Are seeking to worship Jesus like the Magi means first coming and submitting your whole self to them and then giving him your gifts to serve his kingdom. After all this seeking and after finally finding Jesus, the King of the Jews, to worship, they are warned about the shadiness of Herod. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You see, God protects the Magi and sends them off 
to their homeland in the east a different road. Here are the most unlikely people to seek out and to worship Jesus. And yet, this truly is the story of all of us. None of us deserves the free gift of grace found in Jesus Christ, and yet God chose to reveal Himself to us and send us on a journey to seek Him out and to worship Him. So let me ask you one more time. Are you seeking to worship the King of the Jews, Jesus Christ? Or has something else gripped your hearts? As Augustine was in his house, he was upset in his heart and went outside for fresh air. As he was laying on the ground, he started to weep. And as he wept, he heard little kids chanting nearby, take up and read, take up and read, take up and read. And he asked himself, what game has this chant in it? As he sat there thinking, he could think of no game that had this saying. So he took it as a call from God to take up the Scriptures and read them. And he picked up Romans 13 and he read it. His heart was crushed and soothed all at once when he read it. He found what he had been looking for. After all of that seeking, after all of that searching, he found what he was looking for in Romans 13. That Jesus Christ saves sinners like him. And after that, Augustine spent the rest of his life searching to know the God of the Bible more and more. Augustine went on to pastor a town in Hippo. And as Augustine searched more of God, he passed down letters, books, he preached sermons. And as he continued to find more and more of God, as he searched, he worshipped God more. Believe it or not, he gave more of himself to God through discipling and mentoring the next generation of Christians. Augustine lived a life of seeking out to worship God moment by moment, day by day. Seek to worship the King of the Jews. Seek to worship Jesus Christ Every day, let's follow in the footsteps of Augustine. Look, you may never write a book, you may never preach a sermon, but you can worship God with all you have by seeking Him out day by day. You can worship God with all your being by praying fervently. You can uh, do you seek to worship God through your prayers? You can worship God by seeking Him out, by confessing sin and walking in holiness. Do you seek to worship God through your devotion to Him? By reading scriptures, the scriptures. By discipling the next generation of Christians. Do you seek to worship God when you meet other Christians? 
you can worship God by giving Him all you have. But it starts by seeking Him out moment by moment, day by day. Let's pray.